0: Hi, I'm Corey Nathan, and this is Talking Politics and Religion Without Killing Each Other. You're home for edifying, provocative, and fun conversations among high-profile public figures and regular folks like me. We talk about faith and politics and all kinds of topics that really matter in our culture. So if you're tired of all the screamers out there taking all the oxygen out of the room, and you wanna join us and taking some of that space back, you'll love talking politics and religion without killing each other. Thanks for spending some time with us. Enjoy today's show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are talking politics and religion without killing each other. I am your host, Corey Nathan, and so grateful to have a place to talk about faith, and politics and big ideas in our culture with all kinds of interesting, accomplished folks of goodwill and good faith. And if you appreciate what we're doing here, would you consider being one of our sponsors? We love these conversations and love taking some space back from the screamers and the extremists who've taken it over, but we need your help to keep the lights on. So if you might be interested or might be able to help, give me a shout. I'm super easy to find online at Corey S. Nathan on all the major social apps, Uh, that's Corey, uh, and Sam Nathan, at Corey S. Nathan, or a website, of course, www.politicsandreligion.us. I'd love to hear from you either way uh, and would love your support so that we can continue to have conversations like the one we're having today with the Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis. Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis is Senior Minister and Minister for Vision, Worship, and the Arts at Middle Collegiate Church, a church that was founded in 1628 before there was even a United States and one of the oldest continuous Protestant congregations in North America. She is executive director and co-founder of The Middle Project, which along with Middle Church hosted 15 annual conferences to train faith leaders to combat racism, poverty, and bigotry by growing multi-ethnic congregations that work for justice. And I also have to say that Reverend Dr. Lewis is a prolific author. Her latest book teaches us how to love the hell out of the world. Yes. Yeah. It's called, I love the whole title too. Fierce love, a bold path to ferocious courage and rule-breaking kindness that can heal the world. Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis, it is so cool to sit with you and be with you and meet you. How are you doing?
1: Corey, I'm so glad to be with you today. This is like a breath a breath of fresh air to just pause from the meetings and have a good conversation with someone who's a great conversational partner. So thank you for what you put in the world and thanks for inviting me to come be here. I appreciate it.
0: Oh man, it's so good to it's so good to be with you. I was saying before we hit record that I feel like I've gotten to know you so well from uh, other conversations of yours that I've listened to and so much of your writing, uh short form essays and articles as well as just diving into your book. Uh and we'll get into Fierce Love, uh but um, I, I did want to start by saying, I, I'm not sure if you knew, but I grew up in a very observant Jewish family before I became a Christian in my late 20s. And today is Yom Kippur. Did you know I that? know.
1: I did know it is. I My Jewish friends, and I mean no disrespect, say I'm more Jewish than them sometimes. Um, <laughs> so I, really, so um, I I loved Hebrew. We took Hebrew in, in seminary. Uh, and I've been to Israel four times. Oh, wow. And I've got lots of rabbis. So, All right. What I'm not sure, like I understand Shana Tuva What is our greeting for Yom Kippur? Just blessed Yom Kippur. What's the greeting we should give?
0: Yeah, I mean, you could say uh, you could say uh, have an easy fast or you know have uh, mm-hmm. uh, Shana Tovah is is more for Rosh Hashanah, right? Um, but uh, you know, there's there's uh, basic greetings. What's the one that I I tell my dad? Um, good good uh, good, yantif, like, um, good jantif, like Yom Yom Tov. You know, Yom Tov is yeah, is a that's good. It general one so
1: okay well yom tov my friend
0: thank you i would love to
1: hear about your i'd love to hear about your conversion
0: oh um you know it's funny i other folks use that word i don't really think of it that way Hmm. um especially you know i'm 20 years removed from that clumsy prayer uh reading reading that uh the rabbis what i what i considered a a devar torah because that's what really closed the deal if you will once i started reading I, I did a lot of studying and reading prior to, and, and some mentors were kind of pointing me in that direction. Mm-hmm. I, I was asking very big questions. And then, you know, I read uh, the first uh, piece of, of the New Testament that I read was James, which was good for me as a Jew. Like it, it, it addresses me directly hey, yes, the 12 right. tribes. Yeah. And it also some of the theological questions I was grappling with were like faith versus works and that sort of thing. So some yeah. new concepts were introduced to me. But then I went to the be- beginning of the whole collection in Matthew. Uh, right. traditionally matthew start is the first gospel and um five chapters in i read this devar torah that rabbi mm. Je- rabbi yeshua was was given i'm oh, like man. man this guy's brilliant
1: that's right. that's right that the um what the sermon on the mount is it that- was
0: i didn't put it to two and two together until later on but that yeah that's what i was reading Not the but best that's the I best just, stuff <laughs> i just understood it as as the like in in um
1: torah.
0: yeah yeah devar torah like the rabbis yeah. teach on on torah portions right. so yeah. it really um it answered questions that I had that I felt like, okay, um, I believe this Yeshua ben Yosef is Messiah. And I believe that some of these answers, unique answers that go beyond the Hebrew Bible, are like the next next chapter in the big story. Uh, and now I get to participate in, in it. I, I wouldn't have been able to articulate it that way at that time, but but that's intuitively, uh intellectually. Uh, on some other level, spiritual and and even emotional levels, that's kind of what I was being. That's where I was being prompted. So, yeah, I'm
1: I'm so I just love the way you said that. I I love the way you talked about the bar Torah. Isn't that bar the bar word? There, where God creates, God speaks the world into creation. It comes from that word, right?
0: Oh, you um, might know it better than I do. Now I don't. I
1: don't. I don't. But I. But I, I. Again, I think before we hit record, I I love. Listen, I love the Jewishness of Yeshua. That's what I'll say. Yeah. That I think if the if you know what I think, I think if if when the world was becoming Christian, if or, or when the world was beginning to follow the way of that Rabbi, if it hadn't been that Rome took it on, yeah, if it hadn't been Constantine, what would the religion be that we're in right now? Because Jesus wasn't a Jew.
0: I have a thought. I
1: mean, excuse me. Jesus wasn't a Christian. He no, was a he Jew. Wasn't. He was a Jew. He was a Jew. Go ahead. Because was he trying to start a new religion? Like, no.
0: No, 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 no. What do you
1: think? Yeah.
0: So I I want to tell you what my father thinks of Jesus. And this mm. might give you a clue as to what that would look like if if it wasn't. Um, I don't know if the right word is colonialized. Like if it wasn't kind of That's owned. The
1: right um, That's empired. the
0: word. Empired. Empired. Yeah. Empired. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll make a verb out of that word. Um, right. So I. My father and I've had this long conversation. It started as a very fraught one, but it was a Mm. conversation nonetheless after I became a Christian. And um, over the years, he's read a bunch of stuff that I recommended him and and vice versa. And we had this really candid conversation. I forget if it was five or 10 years ago now, but we've talked about who he thinks Jesus is. Mm. And he said, you know, I've come to a new revelation, if you will, about Jesus. He said, I think he was the Tzaddik, the great rabbi of his generation. And I think he was a prophet you know reading so the accounts mm-hmm. of what he said in mm-hmm. the spirit of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Malachi yeah, and these other absolutely. Hebrew Jewish yeah. pro- prophets right um but and i think he was a messiah candidate but i think he was a failed messiah candidate ooh yeah but then a year later we or maybe two years after that we revisited that same conversation he goes you know i still think sadic prophet yes and he was stolen from us in a way like that prophet that rabbi's teaching was stolen from us uh, by Rome, by Con- you know, at the time of Constantine, yeah, right. And he goes, yeah. "I still think he was a failed Messiah candidate, but I don't think the failure was his. I think the failure was the failure of the people of Israel of his generation." Isn't that did, what? Wow! Isn't that specific and nuanced and interesting?
1: Oh my god! I would, would just call your dad. <laughs> what, <laughs> what was the what was the failure of that generation to not get it or to? Reject it or to what was the failure?
0: You know, I didn't think of this literally until just now, and it's partly because of some of your work that I've been reading. Um, But do you think that this generation is failing Jesus as Messiah? Mm. That our generation in our time, in our place Mm. is failing Jesus as Messiah? Yes. Yeah, I I do too.
1: I do. And like, you know, earlier before we turned on record, you know, we have, we had emotion, you and I, and I'm having that emotion now where I feel like so brokenhearted by it. Like, I mean, I would say, you know, if Jesus's generation, your dad's observation failed him, failed to get it, failed to, what, manifest, operationalize, let's say, whatever, right? We are failing to to the essentialness of of Yeshua's teachings. I mean, the 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 Jewishness of his prophecy, the wisdom that comes from the ages, the ancient wisdom. Like I think even as in all the major religions, you know like love your neighbor, love the stranger, you know, share your resources, um, go an extra mile, turn the other cheek. I don't know. We 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 have too much of the church has worshipped the fraud
0: Mm.
1: that the Roman church created then.
0: You know, I I was going to get to this a little bit later, uh, but I I did want to ask you some theological questions uh, because I entered into a church, um, just so you can place it. I live in the Valley where the master's university is. Mm -hmm. uh, And I don't know what you would call him. The chancellor of that university is this guy, John MacArthur. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the churches around here are, you know, sister churches, church plants of, of grace, uh, grace community. So yeah. I entered into that community mm-hmm. and I have been basically from the start, not right away, because I, I was just kind of overcome with these new things that we were doing, going to church and, mm-hmm. you know, and all that stuff. Um, but within about a year or so, I started recognizing ways that I still felt alien that that mm-hmm. what spoke to me in that Devar Torah and Jesus' sermon that pulled me in uh mm-hmm. to that story, um, that there were certain things that just seemed at odds. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, I do know. I do know. Uh I I, you know, spend a lot of time thinking and talking about how the church has been hijacked by some by a shadow part of us. Like it's not not us. Yeah. You know, I, I would say maybe a year ago, I would have said, you know. The church, the fake church, pretending to be church—that's white nationalist, white supremacist, whatever—and I'm like, no, actually, that's the church. <laughs> you know, like it, it, it is part of the church because it is the church that became so pro empire. Bless the hierarchy. If you're doing it right, you're going to be wealthy. Um, you know, the 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 world's caste. <laughs> it's ours. Like, let's put the rich people on the rich people on the top. Oh, that's the Empire. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, the yeah. Emperor? Oh, cool. That's the Pope. Okay. Who's next? Okay, those senators. All right, that's the bishops. Like we just took that structure that was that had become the structure of the world. Yeah. Where yeah. where wealth and um where wealth and greed and power uh, absorb. Uh, the needs of the poor, the need for safety, the need for protection, right? That we'll we'll be your suzerain. We got you. You just pay homage to us. I'm your God says Caesar. Oh, but no, this is God. Okay. But still we don't have to disrupt anything. Mm. Jesus didn't really mean the first will be last and the last will be first. That was a metaphor. So it's so built in now. I have to say I have stopped saying it's the it's not the church, and have more been saying it is church. And can we redeem church? Can we redeem church? Can we get back to Jesus,
0: man? It, can we get
1: back to Jesus?
0: Right. I, I think it it takes the courage of one moment and one interaction at a time. So what I, I just remembered an encounter I had about two or three weeks ago. I went to uh, men's get together one of the churches in our town. And had great conversations. There was about, I don't know, 15 or 20 guys there. Mm-hmm. And uh, most of my conversations were great, but I I chickened out of one conversation that I should have had. Mm-hmm. And it was this big dude, about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and really stacked, you know, looked mm-hmm. like he lifted weights all day, every day. Um, <laughs> and he had this T-shirt, this uh, khaki T-shirt, and on the front of it said, come and take them. You know, that reference to, uh, to guns, like uh, come and take my guns kind of a thing. And I had this thought that was screaming in my head. And it was, you know, Jesus' path to victory was through the cross, right? <laughs> like It was just screaming in my brain. I couldn't shake it. And I I, I didn't have the courage to mention it to him, you know?
1: It's like those people who have been saying, if Jesus had had an AR-15, right, he wouldn't have been killed. I mean, we, listen. So here's, here's. But then there's a, resu-
0: th- then the resurrection don't happen.
1: Right, exactly. exactly. You know, like exactly. And look, y'all, even people who listen and they're like that Christian stuff is I don't know. To me, to get back to Yeshua, to get back to Yeshua bin Joseph, to get back to Miriam's boy, is to get back to love. Just get back to love. Like what? I am not trying to start a new religion. Good is about love. I'm trying to start one that's about the empire. Like that's not what Jesus was doing. He wasn't trying to do anything except to me to amplify and simplify. You've heard it said, and I say, you here's 613 codes. That's kind of clunky. Let's get it down to three. Love God, love neighbor, love self. Yeah, Right. And he didn't say, I've come to abolish the law. I've come to fulfill the law, which is to say all of that stuff about how you treat your neighbor and what you eat and where you live and how you be and how you keep kosher and covenant and sacrifice all boils down to love God with everything you have. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's it.
0: Yeah. Simple. Yeah.
1: Can we get back to love?
0: Yeah. So so you you use a term that I really wanted to dig in on a little bit. What does it mean to be a drum major for peace? Oh, wow. You read my book. <laughs> he
1: read my book.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm still struggling my way through it. Like I, I said, it. cause I, I got to put it down and pray on it and put yes. it down and cry on it and put it down oh and goodness. take a nap on it. And <laughs> so I'm <just laughs> working my way through
1: oh it. Oh my God. John made it for peace. That's, that's what I heard. Dr. King say, mm. yeah, like I, you know, if you go to your test, you know, the Testament of hope book, his big thick book of uh, anthology of his sermons and stuff what what you make in your mind is a canon for anybody's speeches, right? I've got Tony Morrison's books in my mind, oh, yeah, what did she say? This is what I think she said.
0: Yeah, yeah. when I was
1: a little kid, and Dr. King was killed, I was almost nine, and I was hiding under my bed with the bullets flying, and you know, because Chicago was on fire. and i I kind of heard I'm supposed to be a drum major for peace because I remember King saying, This is what I want you to put on my tombstone type of talk. And the drum major for peace was like to me, shorthand for I'm going to work for justice. I'm going to lay down my life for the poor. I'm going to make sure that people get a living wage, right? I'm going to make sure that we can vote. I'm going to make sure that we're anti-racist. I'm a drum major for peace. Maybe because I played in my high school band. Maybe (laughs) when I was a little kid, I was an instrumentalist, but I like being a drum major for peace.
0: Yeah yeah um I-, I wanted to make some space to talk about some of your story and uh I, I don't know if I if this will cue you, but it- there's one thing that you uh, a story that you shared um and it started with I told my parents about Lisa and then how each of your parents, I think your mom's name is Emma, Emma. and your dad's name's Richard. yeah. um I mean volumes can be written like postdoctorate. Mm-hmm classes can be taught you know in multiple subjects about that about their reaction could you share a little bit about that story and 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 your parents each of your parents distinct reactions to it
1: i love that you said it that way and i wish i could write the the next book would just be emma and richard reacting right yeah here they are these mississippi kids you know like mommy is raised in rueville uh does not go to college you know, brilliant, but doesn't go help send her sister to college instead, right? Like a older sister. My dad is raised in Meridian, Mississippi. They go to Omaha, Nebraska. They are not like sophisticated PhDs in life, they're just these amazing people. Yeah. And Lisa, this little girl, moves into my happy, well adjusted, air force
0: base life yeah. and you had two besties had that you were friends two besties,
1: with besties yeah tommy holly and tommy hollister red-haired blonde-haired same age as me live in our little cul-de-sac at the air force base walk to school walk home from school together my people yeah and lisa comes and she is a white little girl from mississippi And she is not happy with the picture of my little chocolate self with the two white boys. This is not what she's trying to do. (laughs) She stage whispers to them. Not funny then, guys. But she stage whispers to them. Why are you sitting next to that nasty N-word? And don't you know she gets chocolate milk from her mother's tits? Oh. Oh, What the? First of all, what? I mean, I'm five. Milk comes from tits. Like, I don't know. (laughs) That is so disgusting. I was like, what? And then she called me this N-word and I had never heard it ever in my little family. So I went home and told them both, you know, my sister Wanda is 21 months younger than I am. So she was three-ish and was in the toddler chair, uh, high chair at the dinner table. But I told my parents what happened crying. My mother, Emma Lee Lewis, who died, five and a half years ago now said Jack it's so silly but people will think you're not as good as them because you're a Negro I was a Negro then it was 1963 and we were Negroes right yeah because you're a Negro she's like that's so silly right and she we weren't allowed to say the word stupid so she didn't say it but she took my child self and like reasoned with the child self and said That's just silly, right? And then that night we prayed about it. Mm. She was the mother that prayed every morning when she got up before she came out the room. And she prayed with us every night by our bedside. So that night in the now I lay me down to sleep prayers. I kind of like, what else do you want to pray? And I prayed, God, make it so that no matter what color people are, They'll be loved. Mm. Like I'll never forget that. But it's like the permission she gave us to pray. We could pray, pray for our cat, pray for Fluffy. You <laughs> know, we prayed for this president. But I I I had permission from her to dream, right? To dream my dreams and my prayers.
0: Yeah. And
1: it was just amazing. So that's mama.
0: Like, okay. That's
1: so silly. Let's pray. <laughs> Dad? <laughs> daddy was hot and that's dad he's like yes what What the so he went to the base commander the next morning this is 1963 Mm -hmm. this is portsmouth new hampshire we are the only black family on the base my dad goes to the base commander was like look Mm -mm. this little girl called my daughter an Mm n-word and we're not having that and i and he demanded an apology from the father of the girl to him and from the girl to me and got it
0: 1963
1: Mm. like black lives matter my little girl's life matters yeah and uh and so daddy got an apology i got an apology and little miss lisa invited me to her birthday party and i went you know because i had to go it was no fun but all of that was like reparations right that was justice and reparations so that's silly let's pray Let's demand justice. That is my parents' thesis mm. how we do how we deal with oppression.
0: where did your dad learn that? Was he a student of Jackie Robinson and other um uh, social justice, you know, warriors or where did he? I mean, that takes the all the right kinds of audacity, doesn't it?
1: He did not learn it from Jackie Robinson. Um, but I think he learned it on farms in Meridian. Mm. I think he was in the middle of, I mean, mom and dad were in the middle, Corey, of of Jim Crow world. Like they were like, go past the school to the colored school. Um, mm-hmm. someone tried to steal my dad's mother's property. She married into his stepfather, was like a guy who owned a tree farm, and that I think was a different kind of economic situation for them. And so some daddy would say some white men. He said, some white men tried to take my mama's land. But before that, he was a little boy who watched the stepfather be violent with his mother. And he was scrappy enough and feisty enough and had seen enough that he said, if I had to shoot him, I would have Mm. done that. So he, it was like the environment taught him the racism of the world, of the, of the, of the South. The environment taught him that. But I think relatives and other men around taught him, we don't take that. Yeah. I think in a nutshell, we don't take that, you know, Corey, like we don't take that. Right. Right. He didn't take it.
0: Oh, man, it, it's such a it's so generous of you to uh, share that story uh, here in your book and, and and in conversations, because it allows someone like me to see you as a part of a story.
1: Mm-hmm. And then you're
0: also generous in talking about Octavius and Ophelia. And I feel like I know them, too.
1: Oh, my goodness. Those uh, people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the grandchildren. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also there's something about that. Uh, and how you share that. It really does, you know, talk about fierce love. It's, see, you're sharing those stories is an illustration of, of mm-hmm. love as part. The story is the illustration of love. You it know is. what I mean?
1: Yes, I do, Corey. And, you know, in my book, I'm really poor daddy. He read that book cover to cover. Listen, that book came out on his birthday, November no. 1. Okay. I had copies of the book last year. I was like, he's going to really divorce me when he reads this book.
0: (laughs) Because there's an assassin story, right? Oh, yeah.
1: There's (laughs) a sassy story in there. But he read it cover to cover and he wept Mm. about what you're describing now, Corey. Like he wept. He said, you telling our story, our story in the world inspires people to know what love does. What love does is it makes up with your with your cranky dad and your sassy child. Like we made up. We were so close. What love does is it teaches grandbabies that they're wonderful, but also gives them boundaries. Um mm. what love does is it says, you know, not on my watch. If fierce love. I disagree with Paul's little sermon. Love is patient, love is kind, love does not.
0: It does not envy. It it on its own yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes, it does. <laughs> love insists on love. Stop it, Paul. Love bears all things. It does not bear injustice. No, it doesn't. No. So I would. I wish Paul was here for us to first argue with him. But I think love that is fierce, love that is fierce, is courageous enough to confront each other, courageous enough to say, ouch, that really hurt my feelings. I can't believe you did that to me. Stop that. That doesn't work for me. Um we got to quit that or or we got to break up. Like love is not nanny pammy. It does not stand in the middle of junk and let it keep happening any, any more than it does stand in the middle of like, we're going to kill a girl because she doesn't have her job correctly. Like mm. love's not going to stand for that. And right. it's not also not going to stand for domestic violence. It's right. also not going to stand for um, hungry bellies. And it's not going to stand for you trying to take my mama's property. It's just not going to stand for it
0: yeah, yeah yeah you, you the way that you just interacted with uh Saul Paul um
1: <laughs> right I
0: had a thought, I had a thought and uh right. I think I think the church would do well if we had the equivalent of the Talmud for the New Testament letters and, and accounts, you know because 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 the rabbis are talking to each other across generations yes. about about Torah, You know, and they had an opportunity to interact with it. But what we have and this I don't know, this might speak to what what I I did want to ask you about specific issues, um, but uh, that are present in our culture right now. But I think I think what we have right now may be a little bit too congealed in a way yes like who who are we to question love is patient love is kind it does not envy it does not boast you know and then but also it's so congealed that we have to ignore it altogether when this figure comes into our lives that so many people in our churches are embracing that is exact opposite of all that exact exactly. opposite of the fruit of the exactly. spirit you yeah. know what i mean
1: i so totally know what you mean
0: totally. it's too it's yeah yeah go ahead. it's both
1: right like yeah. we do need a talmud and Y'all, it is Yom Kippur. Uh, these are Jewish holidays. It's, we're in this moment of thinking about Jewishness. And I'm just wanting to keep saying Jesus is a Jew. Yeshua is a Jew. Okay, just wanted to say that again. Um, and what's really great about, I think, Jesus is is doing midrash. You know, he's doing a kind of a Talmudic reflection on the prophets that come before him. yeah. And what makes us think, as Christian pastors, preachers, theologians, that Jesus's words are not there for us to do midrash on? When I write a sermon, I feel like I'm expanding, expounding, explaining, explicating, whatever, exegeting those words. And Paul was doing the midrash on Jesus's teaching. And then it's like I get yeah. to say to Paul, "This rabbi, Jackie, disagrees yeah. with you. Thanks.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah <laughs> I disagree I love with it. you."
1: Thank you. Somebody else will come along and say, well, Jackie, we disagree with you. Well, that's fine. Yeah. But like, if we can't talk about it, right? under what conditions is love patient and kind? Um. Uh, well, well, hold up the litmus test about love to the orange person. <laughs> and he was not loving So and kind.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I have, a, if I do get a, to do a, a doctorate, it's going to be on my empirical case that I can prove that that individual is not actually human. And, oh my God. And here's where, here's where I would start. Um, I would start with uh, evidence that we have, like empirical evidence that we have, like when he's in a, he's in a room where music is playing, right. something uniquely human that speaks to our soul is that we have this interaction with music. We react right. to watch that individual. Yeah. When there's music no, in the room, Do, it doesn't happened. register. There's no soul there, you know? or or laughing <laughs> laughing is something that that also speaks it comes from our soul you know right. something uniquely human about us the only time that that individual laughs is out of cruelty not from the soul Ooh. right Ooh. so
1: i want <laughs> you to write that i want to see that thesis <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah um all right. okay so there is something else uh that you're part of another big story mm-hmm. and you're writing this new chapter for of middle church yeah. Uh, longest continuous working Protestant church in the U.S. As I mentioned before, give us—I'd love for you to give us some of the history of Middle Church, including more recent history, like in the '80s, groundbreaking ways your your own predecessor served right. the parish there.
1: I would love to talk about that. Um, the Collegiate Church um, is it is the it is the oldest continuous Protestant church in North America. 1628. You said that, Corey. We predate the Constitution. We predate the nation. We just do. So here we are, right? And that means whiteness was at work. Meaning when those Dutch people came to this country looking for whatever they were looking for, trapping furs with the indigenous people, they didn't steal the land, but they bought it for like $5 or something. Whatever the wampum amount was. And honestly, to be honest, um, built this city, Manhattan, Manhattan, on stolen land with the labor of stolen bodies. So my ecclesiastical ancestors, I'll just going to go on record to say, um, did some of those senior ministers owned Black people, and they did take this land. So I'm not proud of that at all, period. I'm not. What I am proud of is that over time, the collegiate church, became the place where little poor um, Ukrainian, right, immigrants came to the church to get toothbrushes and milk and food. It's the place that became the place that opened its doors under my predecessor Gordon Drott's watch to everybody who was suffering with dying from HIV AIDS, to do funerals when everybody else was like, oh, my God, we don't know what it is, to do memorials, to to support families with food and clothing and shelter and education and, you know, drugs and just all the things that were needed for a generation of people to survive uh, that HIV/AIDS crisis opened the doors for struggling artists. Open the doors for on 9/11, when the city was you know on fire with fear and people were walking around downtown with the debris of other bodies on their body. Our doors were wide open for people to come in and wash and eat and be. We have been the most welcoming place um, over time. And my colleagues, there are you know three other churches. Um, Norman Vincent Peale was at Marble Mm. uh, Church talking about positive thinking. My friend uh, Damaris Whitaker is up at Fort Washington, first Puerto Rican uh, to be a senior minister in the church, doing a beautiful work up there, COVID shots and food and taking care of Northern Manhattan. Uh, My friend, Will, Will Kritzman, first queer, openly queer pastor in the collegiate church, being just being his beautiful queer, amazing self at West End. Michael Boss is um, one of our colleagues who's a, uh, Islamic scholar, like he was in Oman working for a long time, and is at Marble leading now. So the four of us together have a thing that is different and unique. And middle is the, my jam. Middle is my jam. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I, in, I mean, I inherited it from Gordon, who was this bell bottom wearing, long haired person who was a professional clown and really believed in the arts. And I inherited this like magical black and white, mostly. Um, just Justice forward artsy place of about 450 people. And we're now 2000 members strong and we are all over 48 States and 22 countries post pandemic Corey and post fire post people found us in the fire. So let me just say to our listeners that on December 5th, 2020, a, a five alarm fire, you know, stole our sanctuary. Mm. Started in the building next to us, uh, electrical fire, an accident. Yeah. But a second fire in a year in the same place, which I think is careless, you know? Yeah. And just torched, torched our sanctuary to the ground. All that's left is a scorched facade. And it was the most traumatic. But besides losing my mom, I don't know the most tr- traumatic experience of my life to watch that thing burn down and you know we cried and we still cry and people from Beijing China wrote us love notes like, how China how do you know yeah um, you, you know Europe and um, Australia and um, New Zealand Canada Paris people found us in the fire and now have joined us and have and come to church in their pajamas and, you know, watch watch us online and participate. So, I'm thinking about a new book about what's found in the fire, mm. the fire of that person's um, administration, the fire of racial violence, the f- rising anti-Semitism. Right, Corey. I mean, we who are we being in the world right now? Um, but in the fire, people are finding each other and. Doing new ways of ministry and reaching out and touching each other's lives and making new new ministries, like your beautiful podcast. I mean, so many things are happening also because the world has been on fire,
0: yeah, yeah, no, you're right. I, I've made some new friends that I never would have been able to make doing this thing, right? Um, you know, Le- Lisa, Sharon Harper, and I have a really wonderful relationship. And it just started by me learning about her work reading another book and then reading her latest book Fortune. Yeah,
1: that's so beautiful. Oh, that's a good book.
0: Having her on uh the the program and then us just kind of uh, igniting this wonderful friendship and collaboration mm-hmm. and um and, and I I think you're right. I I think that it's tempting to be distracted uh by you know extremists and screamers that are trying to take all the oxygen out of the room. Mm-hmm. But it does it does create space for us to have conversations like these, you know, for, for people to connect as we're looking for each other.
1: I think that's right. And you know, we think about the, sadly, the, the racial tensions in our nation are not new. You and I started off talking about what is church church Mm -hmm. has been racist church blessed. Let's call them three fifths of a nation. A person. Let's let's. That's sure. That works. Three fifths. That's a good. That's a good number to think about. Black people. Church, blessed, kidnapping Indian kids and putting them in boarding homes to unIndian them. We. I don't know if you've watched Ken Burns' documentary yet. The whole. The Holocaust. Awesome
0: yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: We we did that. The church did that. The church did apartheid. The church did really yucky things. And, good people of moral courage and fierce love have always risen up together to do good things. Yeah. In the face of that. And that's, I, we saw that post Trayvon Martin and post, you know, George Floyd and just all the activism. We saw that in the women's suffrage movement. You know, we saw that in abolition movement. We saw that in the civil rights movement, good hearts rise together, Corey, and do good things together.
0: Yeah. I always have to check myself though, because I, I, want to identify with bonhoeffer
1: Mm. um, but he was Mm.
0: prophesying to the institutional church yeah you know and and the the church's failures and i wonder to what degree i am culpable and a part of that institutional church you know um you know or if you look at the prophets prophets prophesying to to the people you know because they they were they were off off the rails at different times in all different kinds of ways so you know, we, we always like to think that we are um, on this, you know, on the side of the profit looking at folks going on, but maybe we're the ones that are going off the rails and in what ways are we, are we so, you know?
1: I think that's a really, I think if, I think that you ask that question out loud is why I know we're going to be good friends, right? This We have to ask that.
0: So, okay, so right? here's some specific <laughs> things. Okay, um, I'm glad we're talking about it. We, we took a little time to get here, um, <laughs> okay. but- so I got to a point and I I had to put some markers in the ground and say things mm-hmm. to myself just so I had some moorings to hang on to. Yeah, sure. Like scripture is authoritative, right? Right. So along the way, there are these specific issues that come up. Right. You talk about, it, I think you refer to it as the American Christian-ish agenda. I think that's yes. the phrase that you used. And uh it, it really comes down to now that I, I'm I'm beginning to see the outlines of it but maybe haven't colored in the picture if mm-hmm. you will mm-hmm. as you say it comes down to white patriarchy right and and oftentimes it 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 intertwines scripture or maybe it claims uh, shards of scripture to justify these mm. um say anti-gay or uh a- anti-abortion or um, these other cultural issues and and I, i'm just realizing that maybe there isn't the scriptural framework for that so it, just as an example i i was reading um i i read through the bible i start in genesis 1 i go through revelation 22 the last time i i read through uh genesis 2 there was something that that really stood out at me i'm trying to find it in my notes here um here it is genesis 2 7 then the lord god formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and uh Adam, human being, became right. a living being. Right. So there's a there's a a um there's a time that passes there. And it yes. made me wonder, wait, there was a creature here. There was a you know a formed thing there mm-hmm. before it was a living. I don't know, maybe I'm just think, overthinking it too much, but I, I realized that wait a second, it I was relating it to the whole life starts at conception thing, right? right? Yeah. So I guess what I'm asking you is, is there how are certain, um, socio-political, uh, motivated people reading scripture or maybe hijacking scripture differently than, because you, you come down very differently on, on some of these issues, LGBTQ yeah. issues, abortion yeah. issues, um, yeah. so, some other things that have come up. So ha- help me, help me understand it a little bit more clearly and reframe mm-hmm. it for me. I'm sorry to ask such a vague question. No, but-
1: no, it's not vague. That's not okay. vague. I mean, it's, it's not vague. Uh, we're talking about interpretation, right? We're talking yeah. about hermeneutic. We're talking about exegesis. We're talking about historical critical um, uh, understandings of the text. So one, my lens is progressive. I'm a woman who's a progressive black woman. My lens is progressive. So when I think about scripture, as I love, I think it's Lady Russell, please forgive me if I'm misquoting, but scripture is script for life, right? Scripture is script for life. We have to acknowledge that my hermeneutic already makes its own canon too, right? I hear scripture and I love scripture. I'm a Christian pastor, period. I am. But I've already made a canon that does not include all the text because I don't keep kosher. And nobody said the Christians didn't have to keep kosher, except Paul-ish kind of, right? Yeah. So I've already redacted the text from the six hundred and thirteen codes to ten. Just trying to make keep it simple for a minute. I've also redacted the text from women don't preach in church. Of course, I preach in church. Of course, I talk in church. And how did I get there? I got there through study, original language, um, reading other. Commentaries, right? Mid, other rabbis, midrashes. And here's mine mine is that there's a context that Paul is, whoever wrote Paul person, that women were doing something and they shouldn't talk in that moment. I did that, is what I'm saying, Corey. Yeah. I did that. And everybody does that. So I'm trying to have like a non judgmental view of the fact that all the humans that read the Bible read the Bible through their own image of God and their own hermeneutic, shaped by their life, their pastors, the books they read, their experience, their social location. Amen. That's true. Period. Yeah. So me and Joel Olstein reading Hebrews <laughs> are going to read it differently. You yeah. know, we are, yeah. we're going to read the sermon on the Mount differently. Um, I'm reading more through a Jewish Jesus. I just am. Cause I mm-hmm. think that's my jam. Not, I'm not reading white, blonde, Jesus. Who yeah. That? That's that my jam too. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> I want to like when I people are listening and people want to stand outside me like, let's throw a rock at you. I'm really wanting to own my own redactive hermeneutic of progressiveness, black woman social location, who's a womanist theologian, who believes in liberation for all the people, who does not believe that the Bible is the exact perfect word of God. It is script for life.
0: Yeah.
1: God does not want us to some stranger knocks on your door and you look out there and you're not going to send your child out to be raped by the stranger. That's in the Bible. That's not what we're going to do, right? (laughs) We're not going to do that. We're not going to go to the altar with cut up pieces of meat anymore either. So God keeps speaking is what I would want to say to people. Right. God keeps speaking. And this is what I think we have to think about when we get to let's just go right at abortion. Christian people who follow Jesus can't look to what Jesus said about abortion to find out what to think about abortion because Jesus didn't say. He didn't talk about it. <laughs> a thing about abortion. Yeah. That's not what happened. So if you were reading me a few months ago when this, please God, y'all don't let this fall off the radar because the election's coming. Yeah. You can't talk to, to Christians about what does Jesus think about abortion? You got to talk to some rabbis about what does Jewishness think about abortion? And when we do that, Corey, we'll find that there are places in the Hebrew text where one should have an abortion Mm. because of a certain set of circumstances. And the rabbis will tell you that. And when I say it out loud, all my female rabbi friends go, she's reading the book, right? (laughs) Read our book. It's our stuff. Read our book. Yeah. And two, we are not a Christian nation. So even if some Christian clergy or some Christian on the court, real Christian, not Christian-ish, loving, generous, kindness. Hi, friends with court.
0: Oh, come (laughs) say hello. Come say hello. This is my Lisa. Hi, Lisa. (laughs) She can't hear you. Okay. This is my new friend.
1: Hey, Lisa. I'm Jackie. Wait. Oh, wait
0: yes but, but this is my hey. this is my lisa this is my you're new
1: beautiful. friend hi <laughs> and so are you i like your scarf I'm, thank you i'm jackie lewis and we're doing a podcast so.
0: we're doing a podcast right now i might keep this on a podcast oh yeah
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. well hi it's, it's nice to meet to, you it's nice to meet you too lisa yeah have a good podcast yeah, <laughs> you're welcome thank, thank you so can you feel what i'm trying to get at we can't read our stuff on all the things, like on all the things. Our Christian stuff isn't the right answer,
0: yeah. It's yeah, not that's the right. right.
1: Answer for a Muslim woman trying to figure out what to do, or an Indian woman, or an atheist woman, right? It's not right, the right answer, right? So
0: you're you're picking up on something else I've found. There's so much here that I I'd love to dig into, but um I, I'd end up keeping you here till next Thursday until the end of uh, Sukkot. <laughs> so Just have, have me to.
1: come back, and then we can do some more. We
0: can yeah. do it some more. Um, so something else I found really compelling in hearing you speak and reading some of your writing is an inclusiveness in your faith. Specifically, I I've always heard in certain church traditions um about the exclusivity of Christianity. Right. But your understanding of God, I love the way you talk about God as a multilingual God. Yes. Or as you said, there's more than one path to God and all those paths lead to revolutionary love. Right. How, do you, how do you get there? You know,
1: how, I had to let some stuff go. Okay. I let it go. I let it go. I'm 63. My husband says, stop telling people how old you are. But I'm 63 <laughs> years old. And we've really hurt people with some of the stuff that we thought we had to be exclusive about why, why, why Corey, you, you grew up in a Jewish family and now you practice Christianity. Why would we imagine that God doesn't understand that journey or why, why would we not understand that God has the ability to speak to my friend Valerie core through her sick faith?
0: Mm.
1: What, why wouldn't I know her path to revolutionary love same stuff Same work, we are aligned around our work, and she gets there through her sick family tradition and language and stuff like I don't know what all that is, but like this is moral courage, it's charity kala. Like, okay, this is joy, this is you know, Islam, Islam really, Islam, not Islamish, yeah, not Islamists, yeah, yeah, but Islam is about obedience and about love and about generosity and teaches fierce love this way. Don't withhold from someone what they need. That's Islam. Judaism says, love your stranger, love the stranger, because we were once strangers in the strange land. Like, um, Sikh says, do not break anyone else's heart. What? That's the world's major religions are like, love your neighbor as yourself, some kind of way some yeah. kind of way to get at it that's ubiquitously god's call in our life that's god's call in our life love your neighbor as yourself equal signs in the hebrew uh, in the greek language love your neighbor as you love yourself period everywhere the la- the religions we don't know anything about there's some kernel of that in there it's ubuntu it's ubuntu an ancient philosophy of You and I are connected. Our destinies are intertwined. Tom Cruise said in that movie, you complete me. That sounded crazy, (laughs) but but it's true. You and your family, your Lisa. You are my people. I am your people. My health care should matter to you. My clean water should matter to you. When the sludge is coming out of the faucet in Jackson, Mississippi, that's our auntie that can't get clean water, not just mine. Right. Mm-hmm. That's human life. That's what it is. Religion is created, and it is created. Religion is created to help us live a human life in relationship with each other and our God. We create it to give a structure and language and ritual to be connected. We do. So let's just own that. The religion didn't come in a you know a rocket ship from Mars, right? <laughs> religion, God is true. God is real. Love is real. And religion is the vocabulary and the culture that allows us to bond ourselves to God. That's what it is. So it can have faults in it, Corey, and it does. If you're going to burn women because they're strong, that is a fault of religion. Does God want you to burn women that are strong?
0: No. No. No, no. that that was my next question, Is is how do we discern... Uh, the boundaries? How do we discern what is of God and, and what is our imposition? Like w- when we start making God our mascot instead of our God, you know? Amen. Like,
1: Ooh, I love the way you said that. Well, I think we ask ourselves. Oh, you know who taught
0: me that? Well, Jahat Ali, speaking of a great conversation. I love him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so how do we And you recognize? said
1: his name right. He's in love with you. For some I've been time practicing
0: time. that. I heard him say it, so I've been practicing it. We had a great conversation a couple of weeks ago. Well, He's we've had fantastic. a series of conversations, but yeah. I He's mean, great. Jesus is my mascot, <laughs> you right? know, instead of my God.
1: Or, so. or in my pocket, like a genie to be taken yeah. out and rubbed for good things. Right. I mean, right. oh, I need a boyfriend. I need a car. Yeah. You know, I need to have more money.
0: You know what a hard prayer is? Um, we, uh, to confess, we don't, pray out loud. Cause I, you know, growing up Jewish, I always had a structured prayer, HaTad, Hashem, I came to right. Man, you know, like I always knew what prayer it was because we were given the prayer. And so once I became a Christian, I'm still not like good at like praying the prayer, but you know, my boy Emerson, who just came home with Lisa, we, we were praying and, and um, I won't get too into the, uh, into the details of it, but someone really um, wronged him, uh, gravely mm. wronged him. Mm. And if we allowed it to stand, it would have done great harm. Um, it would have put in, uh, in, in further harm's way. And, um,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: they basically wanted to, I don't know what the word for it is, but like, almost like make him not a person and just kind of make him disappear mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and our prayer, it was one of the toughest prayers we prayed, but I just prayed for God to look upon her with grace, mm-hmm. uh, because I don't have it in me. Mm-hmm. I was so angry,
1: yeah.
0: um, for yeah. the hurt. That right. my son was going through, I was so angry mm-hmm. uh, at the 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 harm that she was putting him in
1: mm-hmm. uh, potentially.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was, and I didn't have it in me. So that's the prayer, yeah. not to hey, you know, what goes around comes around. I want to see you come around, God. <laughs> you know, yeah, like that's right. a prayer. I would have prayed if I wanted to, but <laughs> you no, know, the prayer right. for like God show her the grace because maybe there's something in her story that put her there. Yeah. you know,
1: that's really beautiful. Oh, no, man. that's point, Corey. You no, know, it is the hard prayer and. <sighs> You know, also like I, I got this PhD in psych and religion. And when I was in school, my professor said, You should you should write a dissertation on how prayer works. And I was like, I don't think so. Because if I write that dissertation, I'm probably gonna stop believing in prayer. Right. Mm. <laughs> I'm probably gonna stop. And I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Prayer, prayer changes things. It it rewires us, is what I think it does most of all. It puts us in conversation with God. Yeah. Somebody, uh one of my professors wrote, prayer is primary speech i'm like yes it's prelingual almost like right i can moan and the spirit knows what i'm praying in sighs, too deep for words right roman says but is prayer like does prayer change god i i do not think so but i do think it changes us and it wires us into god's plan for the world god's boule for the world god's intention for the world and and religion makes mistakes. It just does. Yeah, yeah. It makes mistakes. So if we just are honest about the fact that we don't have all the answers, that my sermons are my best guess, hope, dream that God is speaking through me to my congregation, I'm humble then. And I'm not such an arrogant person yeah. thinking I know what God wants. I don't know. I don't know. I'm on a journey with the God with you yeah. up toward God. So look, since I don't know, I get to ask myself and I get to ask my community and you in this conversation for us all to imagine what's love got to do with it. Like what's love got to do with it? And the reason we get to ask that is cuz when Jesus was asked, well, what's the most important thing?
0: That you love one another. You one imperative, one of the very few imperatives that he offers. You, that love, you love one, one another. another. Yeah,
1: Period, as I have loved you.
0: There's Period. not a lot of imperatives that come out of his teaching.
1: Nope. But He's that's free. one of them. He's pretty easy breezy about some of the stuff, right? Yeah. But that he's bossy about, and also, what? What do you mean? What do you mean? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with everything. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love. Period. Love. Period. Everything yeah. else is commentary. So when I somebody want to push me and like, well, how do you? How do you know? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but I know this. I know that I'm called to love. So let me ask you: If you're trying to bomb. A clinic because a trans kid is in the clinic trying to figure out who they are does what's love got to do with that? What's love got to do with that? What's love got to do with anti-Semitism? What's love got to do with the Crusades, yeah. torturing Muslims because they're not Christian. What's love got to do with polluting the earth? I don't know. I think we could ask ourselves Does it square with love, right? that's a good place to start.
0: That's for. a good compass right there.
1: Right there. Right.
0: Yeah. 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 Studying your stuff and studying Lisa Sharon Harper stuff. Um, it, it caused me to look deeper into my own family's story and, and wondering what those men wearing crosses on their chests or their shields or their helmets, swinging swords, burning down our houses in the shtetl in Ukraine, Right. Uh, you know, where we lived in prosperity for about 150 200 years when we settled there it was because this other czar told us you have to leave where you're at and go here like we can deal with you and kind of contain you here here you know and we made a life there you know until a bunch of other people started swinging swords and burning down our houses and raping our our people and you know and we came here you know march 3rd 1921 is when that that ship landed on ellis island um, I have a random question that has nothing to do with anything. So when you were going to Princeton Theological Seminary, when you were hanging out in Trenton, did you ever go to Washington Crossing State Park, that open-air theater there? Of course I did. So I, 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 I did um, Shakespeare Rep there for about three years. So we always opened the season, and it was right about that time. When I saw when you graduated from Princeton, um, it was right about that time. It was somewhere between 89 and 92, 93. Get out of here.
1: Are you over there being an actor while well, I was a? I'll bet you I saw you.
0: I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, we did was all for kinds solid of solid years. Things
1: yeah? yeah, So, are you, you still doing some acting? You still well,
0: do it? I, I, I haven't. Every once in a while, I get on the stage or in front of the camera, but every once in a rare while, because one of the things I found, much to my dismay, is I was much t- more talented as a producer oh. <laughs> than an actor. <laughs> like I'm a solid working man's actor, you know. Like yeah. when I have to, and I've breathed some life into some really compelling characters um but shakespeare 70 really like uh that that was the the ensemble that i was a part of
1: oh my goodness i'm now i'm gonna look that up
0: yeah frank Aerith yeah, was, right was a great teacher and um he i don't know why this happened but the very first play i did with them i think it was midsummer night's dream then we did a merchant merchant of venice oh, yeah uh we did um all's well uh we did a bunch of stuff but the first one i was just snook the joiner one of the dumb uh you know one of the players within the play um and for, for whatever reason, I was practicing, I was learning how to do a backflip for something else that I was doing at the time. And he saw me practicing, and then every single play that I did with that, he worked a backflip in. Like we did Romeo <laughs> and Juliet, I, and that was my biggest part, I played Romeo at that time. And he worked in a backflip. How do you work in a backflip for Romeo? But friend, it was did, like-
1: <laughs> Why did Romeo do a backflip? I wanna know, why did Romeo do a
0: backflip? You know what it was? Uh, there were two parts that, that were, so in the beginning, he's hanging out with his friends, and they're just kind of joshing around and stuff. And Frank's like, here, here, here's where you can do it. And he always made me like work it in somewhere. The other place was going to be in the battle scene where, where my, um, uh, Romeo's friend gets killed. Mercutio gets killed. It's Mercutio, right? Yeah. Um, so that, that could have been a possibility where I was doing like acrobatics, trying to like, you know, impress the guys and scare them off. But I, I didn't think it worked there. I thought it worked in the beginning when we were just horsing around. So Can you
1: still do a backflip? That's oh, my question.
0: I pull, I pull muscles where I didn't even know I had muscles. Like I, you know, and I, I got a concussion just thinking about it.
1: Oh so. my god, I can't do it. Back. I've never been that person. That's not what I do.
0: Yeah, so. I might be able to do a handstand for about two seconds.
1: Ooh, you know, good. I yeah. can't do that either. I'm kind of, I'm not yeah. strong, but I'm not.
0: So I wouldn't be surprised if we have encountered each other because you were there when I was there, and I just, I love well, that little part of the part of the world. So did
1: you used to go to like? lambertville and Beach yeah. town and all yeah. and those places new hope down there
0: yeah in fact the my favorite play it was this little tiny production that we did in lambertville um we it, I, f- I think it was a house when it was first built in like the late 1700s they converted it to a library but then this production of a glass menagerie we did we cleared out the whole um downstairs and we turned it into a theater and uh that was my i still i'm still haunted by tom wingfield that character that i played uh, I just, I love oh, Tennessee.
1: I'm going to go back and look for you. So in Lambertville on the main street, there's yeah. that church. I'm coming off the highway 29 or whatever that is. And I'm going down the street. Uh, are you on the, was that on the l- right where there's like that behind the main street place? Was you know, that if I
0: went there, I'd be able to there, remember it. You. But this is literally okay. like 30 years ago now. Uh, but I'll tell you that I mean that part still haunts me. You know, yeah. I still hear, "Yes."
1: Why does have- it haunt you?
0: What, well, because the character himself was trying to work it out, and I think, I think he was trying to work out something that he was at odds with his mother, mm-hmm. um, and his his how he failed his sister, mm-hmm. okay, uh, or okay. or you know other family. Right. Um huh. and find his place in the world.
1: Okay. Look at you. Will you come on my podcast and we can have Tinder conversations together on love, period?
0: Would you you caught me off guard? Nobody I asked me that to. before.
1: I would love for you. Well, oh, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> no, no, it's okay. That's okay. You're tapping into something, so I think that's good. Um yeah, it's 30 years ago. Uh, and he's still haunting me, Tom, Tom Winfield. <laughs>
1: so you so there's a piece of you that's him. Maybe
0: I think so. I think yeah. so. I wonder. I mean, I couldn't play that character now because he's a young man, he's a 20-something-year-old young man. Um, and, t- and 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 Tennessee wrote it, it was the most autobiographical uh right. character. Um, and I think he was trying to work something out there as well. So, uh, uh and a lot of the rest of Tennessee's work, it, there's something that really just resonates with me. It's why yeah. we named one of the reasons that we named uh Savannah, my oldest kid. Her middle name is Rose. That's one of the reasons why we named her um, them Rose. Um, you, and if I ever kids? get a tattoo, it'll be a Rose tattoo, of
1: Rose? course. <laughs> Three kids?
0: Three kids? Yeah, Two? yeah. Savannah mm-hmm. Rose, Jackson James, Jackie Boy, and Emerson Riley.
1: Oh, look at you with the literary references up in the names of the children
0: <laughs> yeah and miss lisa uh, my wife is from the south so each of them have uh, cities uh, savannah jackson a lot of people don't know about emerson but there's a couple of different emersons around the country so
1: <laughs> oh cool is lisa in the theater
0: no no she's sane <laughs>
1: Well, you know, Lisa Sharon Harper. I,
0: I know. You. And she was at Rutgers. So yeah. I think that we probably met. Like, I probably got in trouble and, mm. you know, and met you guys. And you probably yeah. saved me from getting yeah. in trouble. And, I'm, I'm you know. I'm
1: positive we met. We met somewhere. Yeah. All those little cute restaurants down there. Oh,
0: yeah. 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 Like um. It. In fact, actually, so one of the people that I had on the podcast uh, is a guy named John Popper. And mm-hmm. they were kids at that time. He's arguably the greatest harmonica player in, in the world he plays uh, with his band uh blues traveler hmm. they grew up in princeton he went to princeton high school um and then they were playing in those little bars you know those oh, little wow. tiny bars in rutgers and princeton at the time that lisa was in school there so of i forget was she, was she mason gross or um i uh, did. did she the bfa program or the regular b i forget i'll have to ask her but we're getting way off track i'm sorry i I feel like i'm just hanging out with my friend now so
1: (laughs) you are yeah so can can i just take that go back to something that you just said yeah um, that i think is so interesting Corey, about like working something out you know yeah i think art allows us to work something out that's why we love it so much good music Mm -hmm. um the soulless one who doesn't get moved by music or laughter like not trying to work something out but I think about the tears that we shed when we're here's the right note the song the thing that resolves in the right chord the somebody said the lines the right way and we are moved to tears and that same kind of thing happens in good church that we get to work it out like right? there's good music there's good preaching there's good praying something happens and we're like yes and it it moves in our soul and it helps us work it out. To me, my best outcome, preaching, teaching, writing, is someone understands that they are a theologian in residence in their own life. Mm. They are a theologian in residence in their own life. I'm not their theologian in residence. They are their theologian in residence. I'm listening for the soul words, the life-changing words, the story words, the calling words, the the. Howard Gardner says leaders tell compelling stories that change the stories. How does this right here, what Jackie just said, what, what? Ben said, Oh my goodness, Natalie, this lights something up in me It fires an inquisition. It makes me curious. It makes me resolve something at work in me and I'm transformed. That's the aim of our, of our work in church. I think if a kid, Teddy, who's seven, you know, and Achebe, who's 80, both sit in the room and go, oh, oh,
0: yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I can work this out. That's what church should do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that we're participating in the same story. Yes, that, exactly. And we're all, we don't get lost in the crowd. We're all these invaluable um, parts of that body, if you will.
1: All of us are actors in the story of healing the world. All yeah. of us have parts to play.
0: Yeah. I so want to um, put you and Lisa together with uh, a man that I came across. He was teaching at Duke uh, Divinity at the time. His name's J. Cameron Carter.
1: I think I know him.
0: And he was teaching on the, I wonder if I had shared this with Lisa too, but uh, this was like 15 years ago. My buddy was getting his PhD there. And I just crashed whenever I visited him, we would crash classes, and Jay was teaching. Um, and by the way, so to confess about my own blind spots and prejudices, um, Tommy was telling me about this great uh teacher he was on the board of that that was good he was gonna have to present his dissertation to, and he's describing this yeah. guy. And I pictured old white dude with gray hair and a beard or whatever, <laughs> yeah. And then Jay gets up and he starts fiddling with the microphone and with some notes (laughs) and i'm thinking okay his assistant is here and you know or maybe the janitor like that's how terrible of a person i am is i saw this and this um man about my age so this is you know he must have been still in his 30s at the time uh african-american southern man and just way cool like yeah and that's jay um yeah So I I just, I, it's embarrassing to say like what my preconceived notions were. And when I first saw this person that I didn't connect with the J in my imagination, as Tommy Mm -hmm. was telling me about it, that we all have these prejudices that these, these unspoken, unknown prejudices and having to reckon with that in ourselves. But you know what? So what came out of that was this, um, I, I I remember certain things. One one thing is I fell in love with jazz because J, um, J, used jazz to talk about who we are as the body of christ
1: Ooh, that's cool
0: he talked about he was using naima a uh, coltrane piece um and then he was playing uh, some when monk and and uh, coltrane were, were playing mm-hmm. together at, at about mm-hmm. that time mm-hmm. and what what coltrane said about virtuosity um and uh virtuosity his own virtuosity as a musician was at its peak when he was playing with other virtuosos Yes. He said also a couple other things were in place when um, when they were faithful to the score, when they were faithful to the composition, whether it was Coltrane's mm-hmm. or Monk's or or somebody else's. So there's a faithfulness there. But within that faithfulness, there's so much freedom, especially when you're playing with these other virtuosos. And then he got to, you know, he got the scripture and he's like, that's the body of Christ.
1: <laughs> I like that. I like what you just said, tying back to our, our sense of interpretation and like, what is faithful interpreting, right? What is, yeah. what is faithful interpretation of text? So you stay with the script. Yeah. Uh, stay with the score. Yeah. Yeah. What is the score? What is the composition? What is it?
0: Is scripture, you know, love. Is, yeah.
1: Love, love neighbor, love God, love stuff. Like that's, that's the melody. Let's say that's yeah. the melody. That's the strong melody.
0: The word of God, you know, the word the, of
1: God. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Wow, I could do this all day, but I know that you have—you actually do have other appointments you got to get to. Um, did you have any other questions for me on on this conversation? Because I, I really hope that we do continue this conversation. But on this conversation, do you have any? Like, I, questions?
1: I think I want to ask you the question you asked me, kind of like, what's your what's your guiding what's your guiding hermeneutic right now through these hot mess times on the way to the election, where there's a lot of things that could be the core of our. Of our stuff, what what's guiding you as you think about your kids, as you think about your family, as you think about voting? Um, what's the message? What's your core message that guides you? What's your faith claim that guides uh, you?
0: Well, the the what I know even more definitively than there is a God is that I am not God.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So
0: if I allow myself that you know, and give myself permission to not have to be God, um, as well as to see in others that they don't have to be God either. Right. Um, then we see each other's, then then we're able to see each other's humanity.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then that. also, you know, there, there are some God and principles, like the, the the ones that you're referring to, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, is what I remember, because right. it's, in, it's in the Shema, you know, the central That's prayer right. that I That's grew right. up singing. Um, but so when I remember those dimensions of what makes us human, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Those are four pillars of our mm-hmm. humanity um, mm-hmm. that we can be most human <laughs> when we remember all of those dimensions yeah, of, of who I we are that. and remember yeah. those dimensions of who each other, you know, when when the namaste, you know. Um,
1: right. The divine in me sees the divine in you. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Or the lack of the divine in me sees the lack of divine in you. And therefore, we should <laughs> give each other some grace. Yeah, there's it, that. You know? That's true. And then That's being true. present in the moment is some, is a new concept to me. I just started meditating this year. Um, I eschewed it for a long time because I thought it might be at odds with my theological convictions. But it's so complementary to my theological convictions. Yeah. So being in the present, kind of what, um, what's the name of the rabbi, the theologian, mid-century, 20th century a rabbi. Rambam? He, oh, what?
1: The Rambam?
0: No, 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 not the Rambam. Oh, he was a theologian, a Jewish theologian, and he talked about Sabbath, and he talked about the eternality of now. The intersection of time with eternity is now, is the present, and that every moment is an act of creation. So being in that moment of creation.
1: Is the right moment. Yeah. Who are we talking about? Um, Not?
0: I'm going to have to look it up. Heschel. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we I, I seriously, I could do this forever. I don't know how I'm going to edit this conversation together because we're it all over the place, but maybe I'll just put it up as is, you know.
1: It would be wonderful to just, just we, Jackie and.
0: Yeah. Jackie and yeah. Corey
1: just free formed. Yes, we did. Yes, we we're did. doing jazz
0: is what we're doing.
1: <laughs> we're doing jazz. Here's, here's what I would love to say uh, as, as, as a close. Whatever the thing is that you all are praying through with your son, I just send you power and peace and calm, and good, and remind you that God gave you your children, because He, she knew they knew you could take care of it, however your pronoun God, and also God is with you in that, you're not by yourself,
0: mm.
1: God is your best partner, you know, your best um, teammate, the best, the best, like, energy for you and Lisa to tap into together, because God is there, and loves you, just want to remind you,
0: I, I appreciate that. That that means a lot. Um, well, so for our listeners, uh, how can <laughs> folks find more of the gift of Jackie Lewis, Reverend Dr. Jackie Lewis? How can we find you online, more information about Middle Church, Middle yep. Project, all the great, great work that yep. you're doing?
1: Thank you so much for that. So, um, you know, as Corey told you, we had a fire. Uh, we had a fire in December of 2020, but we are still kicking it everywhere we can at middlechurch.org is how to find us. We worship every Sunday at 1145. You can come in your pajamas at <laughs> middlechurch.org. You can bring a friend. You can sit in the park at middlechurch.org and check us out. Good, beautiful worship. Um, we are now temporarily at East End Temple in Manhattan. Um, Rabbi Josh Stanton is a friend of mine and loaned us his temple. Mm. So we are having a mishkan in the temple <laughs> while we figure this out. We'll do Sukkot in the temple um jackie is at rev jackie lewis j-a-c-q-u-i lewis at rev jackie lewis i'll bet that'll be in the show notes everywhere twitter instagram facebook my book is fierce love yeah it's a bold path to ferocious courage and rule-breaking kindness that can heal the world one year anniversary november 9 so buy some of those and give them to people as presents if you can
0: that would be actually a really great present yeah yeah that's a good idea so, well, this has been a real treat.
1: It's been just, a real treat, Corey. Thank you so much for coming to ask me. I'm so grateful.
0: Yeah. Thank you. And I really do want to hang out with you again. I hope it's just the beginning of something. So uh, I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart.
1: I'm coming for you. Okay. Uh, for, for Love Period and also just some other stuff. Let's keep in touch, please. Yeah,
0: that'd be yeah. good. That'd be God good. God bless
1: you. Happy holidays. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.
0: And as always, if you dig what we're doing here, please hit that subscribe button, leave a review, and comments wherever you get your podcasts. And as mentioned earlier, perhaps consider sponsoring this program if you're thinking about it, or maybe know someone or some organization who'd be a great fit. Reach out and let me know, or just reach out and say hi. I'd love to say hello. Uh, you know, even if we're just talking about regular stuff. I am at Corey S Nathan on the socials. That's at C O R E Y S and Sam Nathan at Corey S Nathan or you can find us on our website, www.politicsandreligion.us. politics and www. Remember the dub dub dub, www.politicsandreligion.us. Now go talk some politics and religion with gentleness and respect and have a great week. Thank you for joining us today. If you dig what we're doing here, it is super easy to follow us. You can go to our site, politicsandreligion.us. That's with the "and" spelled out, A-N-D. politicsandreligion.us. And we're on all the socials, at tpandrpod. You know, tpandrpod for talking politics and religion pod. And here's a big way you can support us, by becoming one of our patrons. You can even become a producer or executive producer of our program and have a lot more say in who we bring on, the kinds of questions we explore, or just help us keep the lights on. But mostly, we really appreciate you giving us a listen. So for the whole team here at Talking Politics and Religion Without Killing Each Other, thanks for hanging out with us. We'll be back in a few days to do our little part in Tikkun Olam.